sure i thought that i would do a podcast where i got to say that this year but here we are um and you know that there is no one that i would rather have on to talk about not only this game but a nice tidy little three game winning streak against three good teams than the one and only the master of the x's and o's and the video and i just love the sound of his voice if i'm being honest and that is zach deluzio zach how the hell are you Hey, thank, thanks, John. I appreciate that. I actually hate the sound of my own voice. Do you really? So, uh, well, you, you know how it is. When you listen to yourself, it sounds very different than it is in my own head. Yeah, but you you have a, a nice, like, deep voice, which is, like, when, the way I was brought up. It's like, you know, that's what a man is supposed to sound like. Yeah, it's like some John Wayne <laughs> shit, you know. I, I imagine that you do these podcasts, like, on a horse with a cigarette hanging out of your mouth, wearing a cowboy yeah. hat. I mean, I did use to smoke Marlboro Reds back in the day, so that that would be the cowboy move right there. Maybe that's where I'm getting this voice from. I'm just killing myself, and this is what happens. Let's go with that. Um, All right, so um, let's start with this. Um, If someone told you before the season started that at any point this year uh, the Knicks would beat – and I should add a caveat to this because some people had – Memphis in like the low 30s or mid 30s win range. I personally was higher on them, but you know, let's just say three like solid playoff teams in a row. If someone had told you the Knicks would do that, like what would you have said before the season started? Uh, how? <laughs> Cause, uh, <laughs> okay. I like, yeah, three wins in a row, sure. At some point, you know, you get a a couple schedule wins and you play a bad team and you're good. But you're right in that Memphis is a good team. Uh, I would say the caveat is when Gasol and Conley play, they're a good team. Obviously yes. they played tonight. Very so, important. Uh, it, when they get injured, that's a different story because that team can't really handle that. But when they play, those two guys are really good. And we saw that tonight and beating them at home in their building. Uh, that's impressive, We're, let alone on the tail of these other two wins. Yeah, and we and we should say Memphis was, I believe, 7-1 and one at home heading into tonight. And, you know, if you're listening and, and you're like, eh, the Grizzlies, they're not that good. They weren't even picked to make the playoffs this year. Um, the Grizzlies were tied for first in the West uh, in a, a Western Conference that is redefines brutal uh, yeah. this year. I mean, just it's absurd. And they've done it impressively. Um, and they have a, a brand of, of basketball that they play where it's like, you know, the way, the line I was thinking of, like, if they have you down 10, it's like, you remember those those Baltimore Ravens teams of, like, the early 2000s? Yeah, like you strangle you. Yeah, you you know, you could be down by a touchdown, but it felt like you were down by 20 points. Like and that's... honestly, it did feel like that tonight. Oh, totally, half. totally. Wait, I thought was, they were we down, down 9? I think they, well, so they were down by, I think, 9 or 10 was the most... In the first half, but then when they got down thirteen in yeah. the beginning of the third, you're like, "All right, 
This is where Memphis, you know, maybe they don't ever get the lead above 20, but we're probably not ever going to get it below, like, six or eight. Right. And then the third quarter happened. And I I don't know. Do you want to start there tonight? You tell me. Uh, so, well, the first, the, the place I want to start is just kind of on a, on a whole, I guess, more meta level. And go that for it. The, what I think is so impressive is that Memphis plays the opposite of how the Knicks want to play. Yes. Right. So they play half court. They want to play half court. They are purposely slowing the ball down. I think there was, maybe it was the fourth quarter, I think where the Knicks got two quick possessions uh, Memphis took a quick shot. I think Shelvin Mack just took a three that he missed. And you could see the Knicks got two quick possessions. And all of a sudden, Conley comes up. He literally just walks the ball up for 10 seconds. Doesn't care if the play clock's running. They want to slow it down. And the Knicks do not want to play like that at all. So in that sense, I mean, have they even played another game like this this season? I don't think – well, so the two the Knicks have scored under 100 points three times this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, once was the uh, terrible game that they played against Miami where they could yeah. not get out of their own way. Um, th- another one was when they lost to the Wizards. Another yes. game that was... But that was without Tim. Which that I was without Tim. Exception. Yes, and the third That's one right. was yeah. the, the no-show job against the Magic, the first Magic game. Mm. So yeah. I would say No. They haven't really right. played a game like this this year. Because those teams are not half-court teams. No, 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 no. All no, those no, teams no, no. want to play fast, too. Yes. So that's a whole different reason why they, sh- uh, you know, played a terrible game. Uh, in this one, you, I mean, have they've never really played a game like this. These guys are young. This is not how the league is going. This is the opposite of how every team wants to play. And they come out here, and they get punched in the mouth in the first half. And then the second half, they come out, and, I mean... <laughs> That was crazy impressive. They they adjusted to it, started playing off it. They had some guys step up in a way that I haven't seen from them this season. It was so I and I think so we're talking about guys that have not stepped up in a way that we have seen them step up this season. And and you know we have to probably start with him, right? Um, oh, oh, cancer. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> that wasn't what I was thinking when I said that. I uh, was not trying to throw shade at him tonight because he played well. He did. So uh, let's let's start with Cantor because so I my thought my overarching thought on this game was this um, because the Grizzlies play at the slowest pace in the league and because they have the third best defense uh, going into this night maybe that changes after tonight um, I thought it was going to be a lot to ask New York's guards, which is obviously where they get a lot of their offense from, mm-hmm. to consistently basically pull rabbits uh, you know, out of the hat yes. and, and generate points. And I thought his canter stretch in the third quarter, where they were basically you know, they were dumping the ball down to him, and mm-hmm. he was, I don't know how many, it felt like he scored about eight or ten uh, consecutive points for right. that. I don't, I'll look it up right now. Yeah, how many just it was. bodying Jaron Jackson, right? Yeah. Just going at him. I thought that was huge. And I thought, even though it came in like the middle of the third quarter, I kind of think that that was almost the difference in the, or one of the main differences in the game. What did, what did you think? So I agree on offense. Um, I thought this was a good game to show Cantor off in the sense that this is the role he should be playing, A. Uh, you saw when he tried to post up Gasol himself, it did not go as well. When he gets someone who's smaller, uh, a little more vulnerable, that sort of thing, then it's fine. He cooks those guys, and that's where he's getting a lot of his numbers tonight. Yes. Um, 
But what was even better is that in the first half, he was kind of getting cooked on defense. It was kind of the same old story. Uh, they were putting him in pick and roll when he was guarding Gasol, and they're getting good shots out of it just pretty easily. Yes, there was a stretch in the in the first half where definitely, and I, I, I want to say it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't as bad a defense as we have seen from yeah, Cantor at times. That's true. But the good thing is. And this is why I want to say that. That's going to be there. We know that. But what happened was Fisdale adjusted and put him on Jaron Jackson Jr. instead yep. in the second half. So instead, he put Noah Vonley on Marcus which on paper kind of looks like a mismatch, but because Vonley's uh, smaller. But that did, my God, Vonley was incredible. He was so good tonight. I think I think he was the best player by far. I think he was. I, I sent out a tweet at halftime that Moutier was the best player on the floor for the Knicks at halftime, and I, I'm going to amend that and I'm going to say it was Vonley. Is so. I mean, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords that get tossed around in the NBA when you're talking about you know where it's headed and like modern players and this thing about oh he could guard one through five that gets right. that gets tossed around a lot. And again, are you? game planning so Noah Vonley guards the opposing team's you know point guard or shooting guard no but right. he does not hurt you when he gets switched on right at all and that is huge because what they were doing him and Moutier and Moutier is right there 1A 1B I'm totally fine if you thought he was better it doesn't make a difference these guys were it's both close. It's close. awesome and the crazy thing is it was coming on defense Moutier on defense I thought was almost better than he was on offense it's, because these guys were, were defending so well between him, Moutier on Conley, and Vonley on Gasol. The way they were playing and switching only when they had to and holding up on those switches and battling over screens. Oh, my God. It was awesome. I love that you said the battling over screens because I, the thing that stood out to me probably even more than Moutier's offensive struggles when he first got here last year was the way that if you just if, – all you had to do was set a pick. It didn't even have to be a good pick. And he would just die. <laughs> He just yep. he just died on it every time, and he we I'm not going to say that we haven't seen that this year because we have seen it a, a fair amount from him, but it got better. And yep. if this team, if Fisdale is really going to institute a, a a defensive scheme where guys and they've been doing it more and more, where guys feel comfortable to switch, he's a guy. And listen, we saw this from Harden a lot last year in Houston. He's a bigger guard, at least not not tall, but he's you know bigger size wise, and, yep. and guys tried to post him up, and they wouldn't be able to do it at an efficient rate. Moutier's bigger than Harden, so mm-hmm. if you want to switch Moutier onto a big, like you're going to be fine. Um, but it, what you're talking about is he was more just he fought through the picks, and I, I thought that was awesome from him. I think I think it's both of those things, and that's why he was such an intriguing prospect, I think, because you, when you mm-hmm. look at him on paper, you're saying to yourself, okay, he can't really shoot. Maybe we could get that from him, but on defense, he can guard the one, and he can guard the two, and he can maybe even guard some three, and he can do some switching in an ideal world, you know what I'm saying? And now we're starting to get a little bit of that, and you see how valuable that can become because he's, I mean, when he's fighting like that, He's having a positive impact. It it, it really is, and and I, I would be remiss to to not mention, like, look, we we've had conversations on the podcast about this all year. I've written multiple pieces about it before the season started. The ideal end game of this year was that you know Nilakina 
separates himself, shows himself to be a true point guard such that we don't have to give it a second thought, and that's what he is, and that's where we plug him for the rest of his career. Listen, it that might not be a thing that is the case. (laughs) He might just be a Swiss Army knife in the DeLon Wright mold that Mm -hmm. Chris Herring brought up on this podcast a few weeks ago. And if that's what happens, that's fine. But... As we're evaluating that, I think it's important to note that, you know, while there were times where where Frank ran the offense and it it was okay and the ball moved a little bit and like it it was efficient, it never hummed. Right. Um, it's humming under Moutier right now. It is, and it's humming on both ends, which is just it's so interesting because normally, you know, the counter argument would be okay, whatever Moutier is giving you on offense. He's taking away on defense, and that would be true up until most of this year, which is insane. Yeah, but, totally. But that's that's a real thing that's happening, and that's why I can't be mad. Look, I, I wish Frank would play more in a way. I think he will. I think it's very clear based on everything. I mean, this is just reading between the lines, but I think it's very clear that what's going to happen in the long term is that basically this rotation is going to stay mostly intact and they're going to do something about Hazonia, whether that's putting in Dotson or Nilakina and then having Dotson fill in Nilakina's minutes off the bench. I'm not sure. But I think that's the only logical conclusion from what we've seen in the past three games, right? I I was watching, you know, it's, we, we think alike far too much, Zach. This is not good. <laughs> um, I was thinking during the first half, I'm like, this is going to be the rotation. For, or, or with the... With the Dotson Mario caveat, and we'll see what happens there. I'm like, he's gonna start the start the veterans, and he's gonna basically have the kids come off the bench. Um, yep. And listen, so I think it's two different discussions, and we could have them now. There's the discussion of is it is this what is going to help them win games? It's actually three different discussions. Yep. The first is is it going to help them win games the most this year? I think that answer we kind of have. I think this is probably their best formula for winning games. The, yep. the next two conversations are more difficult. One, is that a good thing? And two, is that still okay for the kids' development if instead of playing, let's say, 25 to 30 minutes a night, you have Frank, you know, in the inching towards 25. You have Mitch and Knox, you know, in like the high teens, around 20, something like that. Um so what do you think? I mean, hit hit any one of those that you want. So it's such a tough question because I think it's all interconnected. I think it, it's really difficult to separate. I find that personally a lot of the way this is talked about is way too black and white and it really bothers me. People people try to talk about it in 280 characters or less. Those are the conversations I know. We have. It, it honestly, I, and because here's the thing, right? You want to play the young guys. I get that. But if you play the young guys – in a position where they're not going to succeed, they're going to learn bad habits. That's exactly. a fact. That's exactly. a fact. And you do not want Knox getting burned on defense all game long, all game long by starting fours. And that's what's happening right now. And like anyone who tells me after this game that how could you only play Kevin Knox seven minutes? Well, you know what? Go watch the seven minutes that he played. And I'm, right. this is not an indictment and on Kevin Knox. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He he would like the, there the whole debate between Knox and Mikal Bridges heading into the draft was one guy is going to be a sure thing and you know what you're going to get from him from game one. 
Kevin Knox was the other guy. He was going to be a project. Yes. It was going to take time, and we're seeing that, and that's fine. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on. I think he's playing uh, playing Knox perfectly. I think he's deploying Mitchell Robinson perfectly. Yes, um, because we saw what happened when he was playing those start when he was starting. He was yes. fouling out, and Fizz was absolutely right that it was ruining the rhythm of the team because it just throws you out of whack. Now your rotations are all screwed up. Uh, where, you know, you got to make your move around that. Instead, you bring him off the bench and you can kind of manage him a little better and see how he's doing. And the same with Knox. And honestly, I, I don't know why people are mad at this. It's been a, a clear theme that what the Knicks are doing with their picks is taking the upside pick every time. Yes. It's been so consistent. I mean, Neil Kina, upside pick, obviously. Knox, upside pick. Mitchell Robinson, upside pick. What more do you want? Isn't that the point of the draft? We're trying to get a game-changing player. And I, you know, so really then if we're in, a, if I think smart basketball fans at least are probably going to be in agreement that the way Knox is being rolled out and Mitch is being rolled out, that that's fine. I think the discussion really is going to come down to Frank. and Which it always does. Which, yeah, which it always does. And, <laughs> it's and funny I, how that goes. No, it, it is. And, and here's my, here's my thing about, about Nilakina. In the ideal future for this team, he is not ever going to be a guy on the floor who's going to demand shots, who is going to really even need the ball in his hands, even if he is running the offense during parts of games. Right. So, I like the way we're seeing him now be deployed. He's, I, I mean, you, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't like there were stretches earlier in the year where he would go and stand in, in the corner and that would be it. Yes. He might do that for a, a play or two here or there still, but I feel like he's more involved now. Mm-hmm. Um, he has those little stints where for three, four, or five possessions at a time, he'll take the ball and kind of look, either look for his shot or, or try to get the team into its offense. Who are any of us to say that that's not the best thing for his own development well, at right. this particular time? And that's that's the number one problem I have with this discussion because that's what I mean when I say it's so black and white that it bothers me. Every player is different. Every person is different. This is bigger than basketball. If someone starts a new job, you cannot treat him the same way as someone else who started a new job. Maybe you could yell at that first person and that gets them fired up, but the second person is a little more sensitive. You can't handle things. People are different. That's just a reality of life. You cannot just take this one-size-fits-all solution and put it on Frank. There's no reason to support that. What they're doing, I see improvements in Frank. They're smaller than I would have liked. I'll admit that. Oh, totally. Uh, I'll admit that too. They're smaller than many people would have liked, obviously, considering, I mean, I, I the amount this is being talked about. That, And no, I don't mean that in a shot at you. I mean, in general, it's crazy oh, how no, I, every game. Completely. It's I, I go on Nick's Reddit sometimes just to like see what people are talking about, get a feel for it. Frank Nilkina is in every t- – like, it's amazing. They they win a game that they shouldn't win, and f- everyone's arguing about Frank constantly. <laughs> it's like, guys, what? can we just let it go? I think he's been better. I think he'll continue to improve. I think he's 20 years old. I think he plays the, some of the best defense at his position in the league already, and I don't really know – you know, it is what it is. It, let's just let it happen. And That's just me. It's – it's <laughs> I – I'm guilty at times of getting sucked into the game-to-game debates about him. 
you can't have game-to-game debates about right. a- a- any player, Correct. let alone about the development of a 20-year-old player. Right. That- and that's not to say that you can't do it. It's just that, look, if you're going to argue, let's not take it that seriously. You can't micro-analyze him to, to that kind of level. You can't do that to anyone. That's what I, I – I completely agree with that. And And look, guess what we've seen this year through 20 games? We saw – okay – Let's start Frank at the wing, and there was that seemed to ease some pressure off of him that had built up last year. Then it was like, all right, let's see if he's ready for the starting point guard duties, and it was it was not bad, but it was I, I mean I don't know I, I at some point I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch those five games that he started, but it, it was like okay, it's all right, it was it was fine. Yeah, but then it started to go downhill towards yes. the end of that, and it well, started to get in his head. Right, and that I think is directly tied to his three point shooting because yes, I remember in both of those games where everyone was freaking out, myself included. Well, I mean, I, I look, I get higher up on the hype train when he has a good game too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, when he had those games, he was hitting his threes. Yes, and when he started to fall off, he was not. And he lose, he was losing confidence in his shot. There was some talk that he may have had a shoulder strain, something yep. like that. I don't know about that. Uh, I you know whatever it doesn't matter. But that's been the number one thing. His shot is better. Uh, he's playing better. I he, mean, he's playing with more confidence. I mean, yes. it, to me, that much is clear. And that right. confidence has come since he's moved back to the bench, since he's been moved off the ball a little bit more. And again. This is now 21 games into an 82-game season under a revamped coaching staff that is focusing on not a development over one year. They're focusing on developing these guys over the long term because yes. David Fisdale has been given, you know, <laughs> he knows he's going to be here for a while. Like, this is not going to be a short-term thing. He knows that. And and the thing that, that makes me laugh the most, and this isn't just with Frank, it's with Knox, it's with Mr. Robinson is when when people are like, Fizz doesn't care about developing these guys. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's ignoring them and this and that. It's like, what if you if he wanted to get fired um, at some point, he would do that. It's ridiculous. Oh my god. (laughs) He's a he's a smart man, and he knows that like the best path is to get the ultra talented players in a place where they could contribute to winning basketball. If you want to be critical of how he's doing that, listen, you have every right to be. Everybody has their own opinion. Personally, I think me and you are on the same page. It's I'm happy with how it's been going so far. I, I agree. I just, I, you know, at this point, it's like you look around at this roster, right? And these are all young players. Every single guy, except you could argue Cantor isn't. I'd probably agree with you, even though he is like 26, uh, which is still, you know, he's entering his prime, so to speak. These are all young players. These guys are developing. Yes. I mean, it, just because they they came from other teams in certain cases, they are getting better. Like, the results are obvious. You look at Mitchell Robinson compared to Summer League. I know he didn't have a great game tonight. That's going to happen. I mean, yeah. when you play against high IQ teams that are physical and play good defense – that's not the kind of matchup that he's going to excel in, which is, again, what I was referring to earlier where I'm saying the, this is the type of team that isn't a good matchup for the Knicks. 
and they won anyway, which is why it's so impressive. But what, like, what more do you, he can have a bad game? These guys are allowed to have bad games. I don't understand. And that's not on the coach. That's just what happens when you play a 19 and 20 year old. And let's, and let's talk briefly about the coach before we go, because, um, look, I'm, I'm not about to sit here and say that tonight marked, um, a, <laughs> a moment where the Knicks' defense is going to turn around this year because uh, the Grizzlies, if, if they're not the worst offense in the league, they're pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. Um, they are. They were offensive rating 23rd heading into tonight. So um, not the best offense in the league. Obviously, still counts that the Knicks held them to 98 points, but right. let's put that aside for a second. He, I think he has these guys buying into a scheme and we'll talk about that scheme at at a on a later podcast but I think it's important to note that like people listen to him talk about like the axe and like chopping down the tree and like trusting each other and they may like yeah that's all you know he's a used car salesman he's 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 just trying to like talk up his team and and people don't pay any mind to it I think we have to start paying attention to it because guys yes. are clearly buying in. I mean, do you see? It, yeah. You're so right. How if this is used car salesman trick? How are they <laughs> winning these three games? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, well said. Uh, it's the proof is in the pudding, and uh, you know maybe we'll see we'll see some defensive improvement as the year goes on. Um, last thing that I that I want to get to before we before we move on. Do you? Because we've talked about some of the veterans on this, or what count? It's funny. I'm referring to Moutier as a veteran. I know. I was going to point that out before, right? Yeah. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> so we're we're, we're talking. Let's let's let me rephrase it. We're we've talked about some of the play of some of the guys that may not be here long term, which that's a separate discussion as to how much of a certainty that is. How much? How much value do you put? in the fact that those guys are growing and improving under this coach. I am so glad you asked that because I see people again, there there's this tendency to just look at it in a very black and white way. These guys may not be there next year. Therefore we should not waste time developing them. That's it. I do not agree with that at all because this comes what, what this is doing is demonstrating to the league, to players, to agents, to everyone that these Knicks, the, the team and the organization is not the same that it was to get these guys, Emmanuel Moutier, Noah Vonley. I mean, I would say his but he hasn't been much better, but you're talking about uh, lottery picks, Trey Burke, who flamed out elsewhere. And some of these guys came from organizations that are ostensibly good organizations, yep. right? Trey Burke, the jazz, from the jazz, the Nuggets. Yep. And Noah Vonley, was he on the Trailblazers? Yeah, the Hornets? exactly. You're talking about these guys that come from organizations that are viewed highly compared to the Knicks. They're taking these guys and making them better. How is that a bad thing? I don't care if they leave next year. I don't care if they all leave next year. Which, by the way, if they do, that's because they got Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard. Ah, you stole my my thunder. Right, and why do you think – obviously, I'm not talking to you, John. But when I – why the hell do people think if we're getting Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard – do, do you think that's unrelated to the fact that they're taking these guys and turning them into good players? These guys who have done nothing. And and let's let's bring that point home. Um, this this idea that like oh they're not going to be here, they're not going to be here next year 
if the Knicks get Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard, let's just say. Right. Um, if that's the case, guess what? We're all dancing in the streets. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say nothing else matters, but uh, kind of, sort of, nothing else matters because at that point you'll have KP, you'll have Kevin Durant, um, and you'll have 13 warm bodies that will uh, figure out the difference. Yes. Um, but listen, if if Kevin Durant decides, hey, I want to play in this new arena, I'm going to sign a one-year deal uh, to go back with Golden State, or if, you know, Kawhi stays or goes to LA and and they want to roll over this cap space till 2020 which again I'll say this if it's not if Durant or, or Leonard does not come that's the smart move you do not want to spend this money yes. on you know 30 million dollars a year worth of Chris Middleton or and I love him uh Kemba Walker or Tobias Harris or name you know free agent X that's not the smart move so if they then roll this cap space over Guess what? You need guys to continue to play, to continue to make the organization look good and competent and like a place where you could come and win basketball games. And hey, in that scenario, you might be getting one-year deal, Emmanuel Moutier, come back. One-year deal, Noah Vonley, come back. It's it's not that far-fetched. So, yeah. Yeah, I I just like, man, if you're talking about turning three ex-lottery picks who were absolutely considered complete busts as of last year into productive players who are who are doing things in a role that they fit and they're doing them well. And I just, you know, this sets the stage for more things like that in the future. I mean, oh, totally. how many, there's so many guys like this all across the league. Why wouldn't they all be like, I want to go to the Knicks right now. I want them to help fix me. I know David Fisdale will have confidence in me. I know their staff will help me learn because they've done it. The proof is right there. It's all these guys. What do guys want? They want a coach who's going to give them a chance and who's not going to have, who is not going to let the preconceived notions of the players that existed before they stepped foot in your door color how you are going to utilize the player. They want a coach that's going to have a fresh view, and that's clearly what David Fisdale had. And hey, if they you know, can move one or two of these guys at the trade deadline for something of value, right. all the better. It, it, Look, it, if Noah Vonley isn't coming back, they might be able to get something decent for him, honestly, totally. with the way he's been playing lately. Yeah, no, he's, he's been he's been that good. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, okay, uh, anything else you want to uh, you want to cover before we, we head out? No, was there anything you wanted to touch on? No, I, the only, well, other than free Dotson, um, yeah, <laughs> listen. That, that I, is the one thing I'll give you that. For I sure. I have been on record and saying I'm. Fizz said you know twenty twenty five games of tinkering. I am giving him the full twenty five games. Yep. Um, but I, I want to see Dotson back in this rotation at some Agreed. point. I, I I just I'm not worried about it because I don't see how any coach in the NBA could not see this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like this is it's not like some tiny on the margins thing. No. This no, no, is, no, no. It, Sanity. It's obvious. And also, I I have a funny feeling that Fizz had a very candid conversation with Dotson to maybe something along the lines of, listen, there's a roster crunch right now. Some of these guys may not be here in a month or two months. Your time will come because every time I see, you know, the Knicks uh, go into timeout or at the end of the quarter or whatever, the first guy off the bench to high-five his teammates, at least from my vantage point, seems to be Dotson. 
So he seems on board. It's um, a great point. Yeah. Um, last thing I'm going to say is this. It, I'm happy about this. Like, I I just want to say that for the record. I am happy that they are winning games. I know fans will be like, it's killing our chances for Zion. Um, I, 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 I don't want to hear it. Me neither. I just, I don't want to hear it. That's I'm not, so with you. That's not... That's just not how sustain. Like, go you you go fu- go through NBA history. Go through NBA history, recent NBA history, past NBA history. Like, I get it. Transformative generational players are the difference in in winning and not winning. I, no one is going to argue about that. But you have to build these things incrementally on the margins, and it's a step by step approach. I completely um, agree. And, I could not agree more. Yeah, and and that's that's what's happening, and I love it. Uh, Zach, we've we've talked for far too long. Um, is there anything you would like to plug or promote before we go? No, I haven't really been writing because of Thanksgiving, but I'm going to get something going this week. Uh, I had something that I'm going to have to put on hold now because Ennis Cantor is playing well. <laughs> so <laughs> to give you a little hint of where all my work has gone in the week before Thanksgiving. You're a uh, hater. You're a yeah, hater, Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly a am a little bit. I'll give him credit when he earns it. No question. He played really well tonight. That's that's cool. There's other problems. Whatever. Not worried. Whatever. Moving on. Uh, I'm going to have something soon on these three wins, try to see what we could do. Uh, hint, hint, Fizdale is doing some cool stuff with the offense, kind of expanding it slowly. We could see it on kind of a week-by-week basis. That's we, something we I'm taking that. Um, and I will look forward to that. And everybody listening, you should look forward to that too. Um, thank you, Zach, for chiming in. This was awesome tonight. Uh, of course, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, there's no one I would have rather uh, recap this one with than you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, this is this pod is going to be dropping obviously uh, Sunday night, uh, but we have two great podcast guests coming up that we're recording with on Monday night. I'm going to leave you hanging um, on those. Check out Nick's Film School. We just revamped the design of the site. It looks awesome. Go check it out. And of course, thank you so much for listening. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend and have a great week ahead. Next win. Yeah.